the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You know, ever since Adam's disobedience plunged the human race into sin, Satan has been promoting this lie that people can come to God on their own terms, on their own merit, or by their own efforts. And that's really at the heart of every false religion. But the Bible is clear that unregenerate people cannot save themselves. We're absolutely hopeless, uh, humanly speaking. As I listened to that comment by Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, I was reminded of the fact that, at least for me, and I would expect for you as well, no matter how long we've walked with the Lord, there are some messages that I just need to hear again and again, some things I need to be reminded about, and this is one of them. Welcome to our broadcast for this Tuesday. Pastor Leighton is continuing in the book of John, and uh, he's in the third chapter. I hope you can follow along. That's important, isn't it? Let us know as well that you have listened to the broadcast. You can share that fact when you go to our website at highlands.us. And now here's Pastor Layton. We've been studying the Gospel of John for several weeks. Uh, the first 18 verses is called the prologue, and, and in that the author describes what he's going to be expounding upon in future chapters. He introduces us to those themes, those concepts. Then we were introduced to the ministry of John the Baptist who pointed at Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now, um, the chapter begins with the words, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And so from the Scriptures we know several things about Nicodemus. We know that he was uh, wealthy, he was powerful, and he was religious. Verse 2 tells us that he recognized Jesus as a teacher sent from God, but he did not recognize that Jesus was God incarnate. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Nicodemus was attracted to Jesus because of Jesus' miracles, just like the people at the end of the previous chapter, chapter 2. And the the author calls Jesus' miracles signs. And the idea of a sign is to point to something, something other than the sign. And, And what the author is trying to communicate to us is Jesus' miracles point us to something other than the miracles themselves. Did you notice that every miracle that Jesus performed benefited a person? And so the purpose of the miracles was to point us to the fact that God loves people, that He cares for people, He wants to meet the needs of people. So Jesus redirected the conversation away from the miracles, and and He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see, the word there, see, means experience or share in the kingdom of God. Now recall that Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And Pharisees were convinced that if you were going to have any benefits related to God, it was all based on what you did. And so Nicodemus was immediately trying to figure out how to make this happen. He asked, how can a man be born when he is old? The word old there means full grown. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, if you think about it, this is really funny, okay, that Nicodemus is trying to figure out how he's going to make this happen. You know, i got to call mom. She is not going to be happy. (laughs) I was a pain when I was 10 pounds. 
Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? You see how fixated he was on getting into heaven based on his own efforts. And today, there are people who have the same kind of understandings. They, they think, if, if I can just get baptized or be a member of the right church, or if I can just do enough good works, that I will be entitled to entering the kingdom of God. And fundamentally, their belief is, is based, that, that, that their salvation is based on what they do. And what Jesus said is that salvation is based on what God has done for us. Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now, you notice the first word, Spirit, is capitalized. And whatever you find the word Spirit capitalized in the Scriptures, it's a reference to the Holy Spirit, uh, the third person of the Trinity. And what Jesus was saying is flesh can't produce things of the Spirit. It can only produce flesh. Only the Spirit of God can produce things of the Spirit. And in order for a man to see the kingdom of God, God has to do such a miraculous and radical transformation in the life of the person that it can only be described as a new birth, a new beginning, starting all over. And only people who are born of water and and the Spirit can enter the kingdom of God. The, The reference there to water has to do with the cleansing from sin uh, that is through God. Verse 9, Nicodemus asks the question, how can these things be? Verse 12, Jesus says, if I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Now, you'll notice here that Jesus said, you do not believe. At this point, Nicodemus was not a believer. We know at some point in the future, he became a believer because he helped Joseph of Arimathea uh, take care of Jesus' body. So later he did become a, a believer, but at this point he's not a believer. And there's, there's really two sides to Nicodemus' unbelief. First off, intellectually he was willing to acknowledge that Jesus was a teacher and that he was sent from God, but he didn't acknowledge that Jesus was God incarnate in the flesh. And then spiritually he was reluctant to admit that he was a helpless sinner. He was convinced that if he could just do something, whatever that something was, that that uh, he could make things happen. You know, ever since Adam's disobedience plunged the human race into sin, Satan has been promoting this lie that people can come to God on their own terms or on their own merit or by their own efforts. And that's really at the heart of every false religion. But the Bible is clear that unregenerate people cannot save themselves. They're absolutely hopeless, uh, humanly speaking. Scriptures describe them as dead in their trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2, and unable to accept or understand spiritual truth, 1 Corinthians 2. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. They're enemies of God, Romans chapter 5, alienated from Him, Ephesians chapter 2, disobedient to Him, Ephesians chapter 2, ignorant of Him, uh, 2 Thessalonians 1, hostile to Him, Romans chapter 8, unloving towards Him. 2 Timothy 3, haters of him, Romans chapter 1, rebellious towards him, 1 Timothy 1, 9, and subject to his wrath, Ephesians 5, 6. As children of Satan, they live under his control, they're members of his kingdom, and they are by nature children of wrath. They are slaves to sin and vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. Does that paint a bleak enough picture? Do we all have a real clear idea of where we're at, of where the unregenerate are at? Well, in light of that, ritual, uh, religious rituals, good works, and self-reformation does not solve the problem of spiritual death. 
Only the radical transformation that comes from God in regeneration can impart spiritual life where there was spiritual death and spiritual light where there was only spiritual darkness. Jesus asked the question, you must be born again. Got a question for you. Um, How much did you contribute to the first time you were born? Not an awful lot, right? Mom and dad got together. You were conceived. You grew up in the womb. The womb provided everything that you needed. Warmth, you were fed, you were protected, you were content. Your contribution to the first birth was minuscule. And so it is also with the second birth as well. Getting into the kingdom of God is not based on human efforts or sacrifice. It's based on placing your faith in God for salvation. And this is the fundamental understanding that provides us insight into verse 14. Now, I'm going to read verse 14. If you'd like, you can put your finger there and you can go back to Numbers chapter 21 because verse 14 of chapter 3 of John references a story that's found in Numbers chapter 21. Numbers is an Old Testament book. It's the fourth book of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Numbers chapter 21. John 3.14 says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. The story is found in Numbers chapter 21, verse 4. From Mount Hor they set out by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no food and there's no water, and we loathe this worthless food. He's talking about manna, the food of angels there, worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he will take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, and he set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. Interesting story, isn't it? You know, every time I read this story, I'm reminded of, and I know this is going to date me, the very first Indiana Jones movie. Remember that? Uh, There's a part in that movie where Indiana Jones gets dropped into an ancient temple that's filled with snakes about six inches deep, slithering all over the place. And and he is trying desperately to save himself and his friend. And, you know, if I was in such a situation, I've got to confess, I would probably not be inclined to look up. You know, I'd be looking down trying to see where the snakes are, and, and, and trying to save myself. Trying to save myself. And that's the point. We cannot save ourselves. We have to look up for God's salvation. That's the point of verses 14 and 15. Now, that Old Testament story was uh, it impressed the Israelites. In fact, Uh, It was in the time of Hezekiah they finally destroyed the uh, brazen serpent because it became an idol. But it was a a great puzzle to Jewish people because God had expressly said in the Ten Commandments, you weren't supposed to make graven images. And then God told Moses to make a graven image, this bronze serpent. So how how do you understand that? Well, the rabbis explained it this way. They said, it was not the serpent that gave life. So long as Moses lifted up the serpent... 
they believed on him who had commanded Moses to, to act thus. They believed God. It was God who healed them. See, the healing power was not in the brazen serpent. It was only a symbol to turn people's attention and thoughts towards God. And when they did, they were healed. You're listening to Study Verse by Verse, a daily visit from Pastor Leighton Sheely of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And we'll be back tomorrow with more from the third chapter of the book of John. This is a lengthy series from the book of John. And if you've missed any of the broadcasts, well, you can always check them out on our website at studyversebyverse.com or the church's website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. By the way, when you go to highlands.us, the website for Church of the Highlands, you'll also find a link to Highlands Christian Schools. It's right there in the right-hand corner of the homepage. If you're looking for a school where education and faith converge, then please do check out Highlands Christian Schools, providing a Christian worldview education for children for over 60 years. That's highlands.us. Come back tomorrow at this same time when we'll once again open the Word of God to the book of John and study verse by verse. I'm Mike Trout, and this program is sponsored by Church of the Highlands in San Bruno.